Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 442. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops and studios who design with American grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Our partnership with Florist Review is such a valuable one, providing a forum for beautiful and inspiring editorial content in the Slow Flowers Journal section, month after month. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 442. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. I'm so happy today to visit with Jenny Ray Siplo of Flower Well, a flower farm and design studio in Rochester, New York. We were corresponding recently and Jenny Ray shared some big news about her floral enterprise, one that is radically changing the way she will operate Flower Well in the future. I knew you'd want to hear all about it, so I asked Jenny Ray to record this conversation with me. Here's what she says about Flower Well. I dreamt about what it would be like to become a full-time farmer florist many moons ago. That dream became all I could think about, even when I had no land, no experience, and I was living out of an apartment. In college, I explored languages and art, but deep down I knew I was being called to nature. It was almost like there was an unseen force that knew the outside was where I needed to be. I don't come from a family of farmers, but I grew up gardening with my mother. While gardening and farming are very different, my time in the garden laid the foundation for me to become the farmer and floral designer that I am today. To say that I love flowers isn't enough. They give me life. They feed my soul. They make the challenging task of farming worth it. They provide the creative inspiration and energy for the beauty that is our floral designs. My aim for Flower Well is to always share this overwhelming joy and passion. My hope is that you grow to appreciation and love our locally grown flowers as much as I do. Flower Well was built on a dream of merging locally grown flowers with artfully curated floral design. Established in 2015 in the countryside of Rochester, Jenny Ray set out to provide a creative approach to both the wedding industry and to growing cut flowers commercially. As a result, Flower Well focuses on colors, textures, and heirloom varieties of specialty flowers and foliage. Jenny Ray explains, our design work is distinguished by our specialty blooms being incorporated in a modern garden-inspired floral design style. We are known for the one-of-a-kind floral experience that we provide, and our passion for everything involves flowers. 
Well, I'm excited for you to join today's conversation all about Flower Well. You'll find photos of Jenny Ray and her flowers in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. And I'll also share links to her social places so you can find and follow along as this pivotal season for Flower Well unfolds. Let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to introduce you to Jenny Ray Siplo of Flowerwell LLC. I guess Flowerwell, not Flowerwell Farm, right, Jenny Ray? Yep, just Flowerwell. That's fine. I like Flowerwell. That's that has a good vibe. But anyway, thank nice. you. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure being able to talk to you again. And especially during the winter months, talk about our favorite thing, right? Flowers. That's right. So um, you've been a Slow Flowers member for a while, but it was really great to connect in person last March in Santa Barbara. We both were at the workshop at Rose Story Farm. Um, What was that called? The Gathering Rose? Yes, the Gathering Rose, and they're launching it again this year. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a full participation, and that was just such a dream. I like, I literally have dreams about going back there again and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just out of curiosity, were you already growing garden roses, or what lured you to uh, apply for that? Because I know it was a scholarship based uh, event. Sure. Well, we had about 75 in the ground, and they're they're one of kind of my favorite pet flowers, so to speak. Like I go out, I check on them every day, which is definitely not something I do on every variety of flowers (laughs) we grow. (laughs) And they're just, I don't know, it's something like they kind of speak to me. So it was such, such an overwhelmingly amazing experience to see Rose Story Farm and be surrounded by all of that knowledge and beauty. And we're hoping to expand production this year. Mm. Yeah, 75 sounds like a lot, but then you go to a place like that and you're like, uh, no, add a a few zeros. (laughs) Yeah, it puts it into perspective a little bit. Yeah. Well, how how, uh, long ago did you start Flower Well? How old is the business? Sure. I think we're in our sixth year, technically. Um, I started the business really before I became a business. So Mm. we farmed for about a year to just test the waters, see if I could actually do it. And then towards the end of that year, we put it into writing and I left my job and we just kind of went full force. Okay. So about six years. Wow. And give us a snapshot of where you're at, what kind of acreage you have and, and what your crop mix is. And then we'll talk about some of your markets. Oh, perfect. Yep. So I'm located in Rochester, New York. We're like about a zone 5B, 6A. Um our farm is kind of split into a couple different locations. We're working on a rented plot, which is approximately an acre, and that's pretty packed to the brim of flowers. We're maxing out capacity really quick. And then at my home property, which we just purchased about three years ago, we have about three to 400 woodies in. Um, that's where we have our roses mm. as well, a pretty intense perennial garden, and that's where we operate mostly. So our new cooler is there, our workspace. So we're kind of split a little bit, but we're working on about an acre and a half total of flowers. And when you say we, you're talking about your partner, Sean, right? You know, I always say that, and I really just mean the infamous we. <laughs> it's really, it's me and a great team. So I do, have, I do have an amazing team behind me. I think the we just helps because it feels so daunting. Um, my, my partner, Sean, he actually owns his own business. Um, but this year he has told me he is 
he's interested in farming more. So I, I do feel a little optimistic. I see. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I have a, I have a team of about five people, um, kind of split between the design world and the farm team, but yeah, we, we need that team to grow. So it is definitely a we task. I got it. I got it. So what's the commute between where you live and have all the woodies and roses and the cooler in the studio, uh, and then the land that you're renting, which I'm assuming is more field crops. Yeah, that's field crops. So the field crop is about 10 minutes or so away, oh. which doesn't sound like much, but when you're making that drive a couple times a day, it, it is, um, it's wearing a little bit. So we are kind of working on maybe trying to get land a little bit closer, mm. but our home property, we have about 15 acres and we actually live on an old Christmas tree farm. Oh my gosh. So past, which is awesome. It's awesome for the Christmas season and all of our wreath making and whatnot. Um, but the past couple of years, we've cleared some of that land because the Christmas trees are now giant trees and we're just falling over dying because mm. they were planted so close. Mm -hmm. um, so that land clearing is where we were able to plant our woodies, which I can see it from my, you know, office window. So that's yeah. kind of nice. And those are those juicy, uh, like permaculture crops that will keep providing oh, income. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about that. <laughs> so Jenny Ray, you um, have I, I really don't understand what came first, the farming or the design, because you blend those two businesses so, or those two sort of sides of the coin so well. How did you actually, what came first? Sure. So I was always really interested in growing flowers because I grew, I grew up gardening mm -hmm. and then, but in hand in hand. So growing up, we grew up gardening, but then we cut all of our flowers and gave them away to everyone. Oh. It was like, it was just kind of, to me, it was the same. And I had a really hard time my first year when I started selling wholesale to florists to seeing them design with my beautiful flowers and then not designing on my own. So I was like, well, I want to design with them if they're designing with them. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So to me, it always kind of has been hand in hand. I definitely, I wouldn't be a designer if I wasn't a farmer. So it really like my own flowers speak to me. And in the rare occasions, like I had a, I had to design a sample piece for this past weekend when I'm designing with flowers that aren't my own. It just, it's not the same feeling and I don't enjoy it nearly as much. Mm. So I grew the business knowing that I would want to design with my own flowers, but I'd also want to produce flowers for many people to enjoy. That's interesting. I think it's really great in a way as an artist, like you're creating your own raw material for your ultimate art, but the flowers themselves can also you know, create income for you if you're not designing them. That's the wholesale side of your business, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It gives me a little bit of a break because I think as a creative person, you can't go, go, go nonstop. You can't be creative all the time. And it also fills that need for me that I'm a little bit of a worker bee. So in the moments where I'm not feeling creative, I can still be productive with the business. Mm. I can still be selling these flowers that I get an immense satisfaction from seeing other people enjoy. And also, it's so amazing seeing what other florists create from our flowers. So it really does, it goes hand in hand in the moments where I'm not feeling as creative, I can let other people be creative mm -hmm. with their mm -hmm. flowers. I love it. And you're not going to have a wedding every weekend necessarily. Or, or No. What are you yeah. going to do with those flowers that you're cutting? You've got to sell them to someone. 100%. Yeah, and, and it's not really our goal to 
to produce a wedding every weekend either. Like we have a cap. We try to aim for about 30 a week or 30 a week. Oh my gosh, that'd be awful. <laughs> 30, <laughs> 30 a year. And that also gives me kind of time to room, to breathe and to think about, you know, how we're presenting our flowers, what we're growing and allow me to really find strength in both areas of the business. So you're, um, you've got a pretty good uh, breakdown of your channels of income um, on your website. You clearly have a successful CSA program. So that's the B2C side of the business, right? Yeah. Yep. How is that set up? Actually, that's so interesting. We just started our CSA last year and I've set it up and congruent with another farm. So it's a farm that's pretty local to us. They grow a lot of stone fruits, um, fruit crops, vegetables, and that kind of a thing. And they're, they're people that I just know in the community. And one of the farmers is my age, which is really kind of rare to find. Mm -hmm. So it was so nice to be able to connect with them. And I essentially, the way our business is set up with our our wedding outlet and then our wholesale outlet, it was a lot for us to take on the management of the CSA. So this other farm that we've partnered with, they take on the management and they do most of the delivery of our CSA, which is so incredible. And then we really just do the marketing of it, obviously the growing of the flowers and designing the bouquets each week and making sure that all of our folks have their flowers. But it's it's a nice kind of hand-in-hand experience mm-hmm. where we pay them a little bit to help us out, but it goes a long way. So are they, they had an established food CSA and now the flowers are kind yeah. of an add-on? Yes, exactly. Ugh. Yep. So we kind of, kind of tap into their, their clients as well, which is nice and bring kind of an exciting new element to their CSA. But they, they have drop-off points at different employers, different churches. Like they have like seven different drop-off points that we can tap into. Right. So it's, it's a really exciting avenue. I also think like the CSA kind of gives you another channel for maybe small quantities of different varieties. So you're not, uh, maybe, maybe there's not enough that, you know, to satisfy a, a wholesale client's order, but you can push those flowers out to the CSAs because they're kind of designer's choice, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. We used to do farmer's markets and it was kind of the same outlet where essentially we have this group of flowers, whether it's just based on the time of year, the colors of the weddings, that each florist are needing. Like if they're not needing peach that week, we're guaranteed to have a ton of peach. <laughs> field. Um, and we need to move those somewhere. So we do have to have some sort of an outlet and the community themselves, they want our flowers, which is so exciting. So I was trying to find a bridge in that gap of how do we get them our flowers, but also how do we have Sundays off? Because I don't think I can do a farmer's market anymore. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, so that's the B to C, and then the B to B is really your your wholesale program. Correct. Which I read on your website that you're even you're even tinkering where we're trying shipping. So this wholesale yes. this wholesale program looks like it's one of your largest uh, channels of selling flowers. Yep, it is under under our weddings. Um, the wholesale program is really it's our bread and butter. We have we're in quite the nice little wedding. Um, niche area, so to speak, where we're near the Finger Lakes. 
And a lot of destination weddings happen there. And we also are in between Buffalo and Rochester. So Buffalo's an hour away. Rochester's 30 minutes away. And then we also have Syracuse, which is an hour and a half. Mm. So all of those markets are definitely in need of local flowers. They're in need of better flowers. So the Buffalo market, um, they have one wholesaler, but they're kind of lacking in what they can offer, the different varieties and whatnot. So those florists are hungry for local flowers. And they even told us that we just started tapping into that market this past year. I did notice on your website, and maybe you could talk about this because I think it's going to be relevant to other um, people trying to build their wholesale business. You have key markets that you're delivering to and that you set up specific date and the florists know that you're going to Buffalo or Syracuse or Rochester on those dates. Is that how you do it? Yes, that's correct. And we also have a member of our team who works directly with them. So we have Chrissy, who she's kind of my right-hand woman. She is the one who all the florists contact. Um, It was a little bit too much on my plate between the weddings and the CSA to be able to manage that. But she, having someone designated to manage our wholesale accounts, it's allowed us to grow. It allowed us to tap into the Buffalo market this year, which was so exciting because they desperately needed local flowers and they had the hunger for it, which that's usually like one of the hardest points to begin with. So the fact that they wanted local flowers, they valued them for us to be able to provide that service was super satisfying and great for the business in all honesty. So then you have a particular like delivery date per week that is assigned to those regions and, or those markets, right? That's correct. Yep. And is it going from about what, like May to October or what, how, how long are you able to do that during the season? Yep. May to about mid October, we just put up our first hoop house, which was supported through um, the NRCS hoop house grant. So Mm. we'll be using that for the first time this year. I'm hoping that will extend our season maybe earlier April or so Mm -hmm. a little bit past October, but it is, it is kind of a tight season for us in Western New York. So we hustle through it. (laughs) Yeah. Like what's your first crop of the season? This year, I'm hoping it's going to be ranunculus. Mm. We've always been growing them in low tunnels, which has been basically a natural disaster with our winter storms (laughs) and not a very fun experience. So to finally have a covered, warmer space, ranunculus and anemones should be our first crop. And hopefully throughout, you know, maybe late October, early November, we should still have dahlias and some fillers and foliage available as well. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so you'll be um, you're not going to get mother hit Mother's Day though on the ranunculus, will you? Or I'm aiming for it. Awesome. Oh, that's I'm, I'm going to try. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, and yeah. then, like you said, you have this Christmas tree farm and these woody crops, and so you're you're generating income for yourself through the holiday season with uh, kind of the evergreen Correct. decor. Yeah. Yep. We teach, um, we as an I, I teach about 20 or so wreath-making classes to the public. We have this great space in Rochester called the Brainery. And essentially what the Brainery is, is it, it is a classroom hosting location for really anyone to teach anything. So mm. it draws a lot of people. They have a great marketing presence. And it's where I've taught wreath-making classes for the past four years. This year, I think I taught over a thousand students. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It, in part, we went a little bit harder because we were trying to pay for the new building. But um, yeah, I was teaching classes about five days a week for three weeks in the winter season, but using all greens from our 
farm that essentially we didn't even have to grow. Right. So it's, it's a total win-win. And then we're allowing people to work with a better material that's local, that was harvested sustainably, and they're making it on a grapevine base, which is also made by my team from our woods. So it's awesome. I mean, where were those people getting their refix before you came along? I, I, it's crazy. <laughs> I know. We have a great market, but all of the wreaths are imported. So they're mm. all coming in from Florida and they're essentially half dead by the time you're getting them. Mm-hmm. So the fact that our wreaths still look good into March and the fact that they got to make them, they got to learn that skill and kind of have a night out. You know, I think in a, in a way it's like that creative therapy that we all need to kind of get through. Yeah. It's great that you can have it at a venue that's like downtown convenient. It doesn't have to yeah. You, can, you don't have to clean yeah. up afterwards because you don't live there. Right. It's so awesome. Yeah, they're, the brainery is super amazing, and I think every, every city should have one. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, you um, probably also don't have time to teach workshops during wedding season, so it's sort of a one it's kind of a winter uh, activity only yeah. then, right? Exactly, yep. When you talk about wanting to do no more than 30 weddings, um, you know, and in per season, what, what is the range of those weddings? Are you, do you have a minimum or do you take everything? That's a great question. So we have three different programs or packages, so to speak. So we have the full service, which is the big shebang and those weddings can be hefty. Um, we're kind of getting into the upper echelon a little bit. So this year we have a couple that are in that like 12,000 or so range, $1,000 budget range. And that's great. Um, and then we have kind of a middle group where it's probably about a $5,000 budget or so. And those are still in the full service. And then we have a la carte and bulk flowers that are also available. So those options are pickup only. They're a little bit more affordable, obviously, and can access, you know, different couples, more brides, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Um, but for our full service weddings, we tend to be traveling. So we do a lot in Ithaca in Geneva towards the Finger Lakes. Like we're happy to go anywhere, but those bigger, bigger budget weddings and even, you know, our full service weddings, all of them, they take a lot of time and planning. So I really want to give couples that quality time for me and not overload our schedule so that I feel like I'm not giving them what they need and what they deserve. So you're kind of the lead um, point of contact for the the full service yeah. weddings. Correct. Yep. That's a good division of labor that you have a, a key team member who handles wholesale sales to Flores. And um, in a way, it also probably, I don't know, is there any issue with Flores thinking that they're competing with you because you're also doing weddings or have you been able to mitigate that? That's a great question. Um, we've had a little bit of concern, but... Probably from one of my, uh, dare I say, favorite florists, it was kind of interesting when I approached him to sell flowers to him, he interviewed me (laughs) and it was about a 40 minute process. And that is one of the things he brought up. He's like, I don't know if I would necessarily purchase flowers from a competitor. And the way I approached it, I was like, well, listen, yes, I understand that perspective. However, think about all the knowledge that I've gained from knowing the wedding industry firsthand. Like I understand what you go through. I understand the issues that you can have with flowers, but I also, because I'm working with these brides, I understand what they want, the trends that are current for that year, the color palettes that are hot. Um, I get it. So yes, I could see that point of view, but on the other hand, I mean, I'm here to help you. And 
it's it's really worked out great because we just launched um, this past year. We launched kind of a, a grower's choice program for florists, mm. and Sunny Meadows also offered it. And I thought that's really interesting because we were growing a bunch of flowers that our florists weren't biting for. And I knew they would love them. So this grower's choice option, the florists would tell us their color palettes. We would pick their flowers. And then they were getting to experience maybe new flowers that they hadn't before, different color ranges. Um, And we really could only do that because we've got this wedding expertise with knowing our color palettes Mm -hmm. down pat knowing what brides like and what they don't like. So, yeah, brilliant. And I guess when I think about the typical uh, flower shop or, you know, studio florist placing a a flower order, they're going to go to their same 12, 15 reliable choices. And they're not, they're not even aware what you, what a grower would have. So I think that's such a great way to introduce those new, maybe lesser known accent flowers, probably not the focal flowers, but like the accent flowers and the foliages. Exactly. And even when it came to different Dahlia varieties, so like I really enjoy growing specialty varieties and different tones of blush and different sizes, but they were just consistently ordering what they knew. Mm. And I knew they would enjoy what we were able to provide that was different, but they just didn't know enough to order it. So we made it so that it was essentially budget affordable for them to take a risk. And it really paid off and it picked up our sales a lot because We do have a fair amount of competition, but what I knew would happen is that our varieties that we're growing and the the different flowers that we have would set us apart if they could only see them. And Mm. it worked. I was going to ask you how you priced it. So you give them a bit of a discount to go with this um, trust me uh, approach, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Essentially, it's like it will pay off. You just kind of have to bite and go for it. And initially, we weren't doing color palette options, so it was mixed color. Um, we we found that that really wasn't going to work, and they were just essentially requesting a color palette regardless of what we said. So we we uh, you know adjusted it a little bit. The price went up a little bit, but it still paid off, and you know we're still profiting quite a bit from it, mm. and they're really happy. Mm. That's cool. That's really yeah. great. Wow. Okay. My head is spinning. You're doing so many exciting things. Ah. And <laughs> the reason I said, Jenny Ray, we have to get you on the podcast is you had some really big news that was recently announced. And I, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about um, the award that you got and um, what yes. you're going to do with the award. <laughs> yes, most definitely. So we were awarded um, the 2000, let's see, 2019 New Farmers Grant, or essentially 2018 um, New Farmers Grant for New York State. So this is a New York State-funded grant for farmers who have been essentially running their business for 10 years and less. And it was launched in November of 2018 was when the application process opened. And I had been really kind of pondering how we're going to grow this business and how we're going to grow the next step. And a couple of our big issues that we were facing was a proper workspace and a cooler that would accommodate all of those woodies that we've just put into the ground and how we're going to grow our farm. Because there wasn't a point to grow more flowers if we couldn't hold them. So 
Yeah, we were operating out of a carriage barn, literally. It's attached to my 1850s home. It's tiny. We would bump elbows with just three of us, and we have a team of about five. So that was a big problem. And then we were only operating out of two beverage coolers, like the three glass door. Oh, yeah. Beverage cooler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like you'd have in a tiny little uh, yeah. uh, retail space. Wow. Yes. It was a form of insanity. I just, I thought I was going to lose my mind because we were having to cut most of our product every day. Mm. So early in the morning and like cut that day's orders. And then our wedding flowers were getting shoved and getting ruined. And it was just causing a lot more labor than was necessary. But financially, I also just, I couldn't stomach it because I wanted to be able to build a building that could last us and that we really wouldn't have to adjust in 10 years. And I knew that building would cost probably like $150,000. Wow. So this grant was everything and it was a huge process. The writing itself was about a hundred pages. And I think in total, I submitted three to 400 pages of writing of different of all the different things that they requested like doc- documentation of yes. of what you that you're a legitimate business yes wow. all the things letters of references um five-year projections it, it was kind of insane but i needed it and i knew if we didn't get it we wouldn't be able to build this new building but we got it so it's wow. awesome <laughs> so uh you sent me the a link to the press release. So we'll share that in our show notes for people to see. But Governor Cuomo announced that nearly 30 farms across New York were awarded this new farmers grant, the funding. And you said that up until 2019, no flower farm had ever received it. So it was just other, other agricultural enterprises, but they'd never looked at flower farms. Well, yeah, or flower farms didn't apply. I'm not sure which is which, Mm. but it did intimidate me a little bit because I knew I was going to be writing an application to, uh, readers who essentially hadn't maybe didn't even know what slow flowers were. So mm. that was that was intimidating. And I, you know, I don't know 100% how correct it is. But in looking at past recipients, a lot of them were also men. Mm. So being a woman, and then also being in this kind of minority farming field, I was a little bit daunted to apply. But I think, you know, I'm really proud that they chose not only my farm, but also another flower farm, Tiny Hearts as well. Great. They like, we recognize you as part of the farming community and we value what you're doing is pretty amazing. Well, speaking of value, I mean, I keep pointing to this USDA uh, study from, I don't know, five years ago that talked about the most profitable crop for small farms and it's floriculture. So, you know, just hard for the the traditional agriculture mindset to catch up with understanding that, I guess. Yes. And that was the majority of what I wrote in in my grant. And I might have gone overboard, but I, <laughs> I had to nail it home because I'm like, you know, listen, like what I can sell a hydrangea stem for as opposed to like what somebody can sell, you know, a basket of tomatoes for. I mean, these, these numbers are relative and this is meaningful and it can grow, it can employ more people, which is one of the things that they really wanted. And it's sustainable because I'm like, people are always going to be getting married, whether the economy is good or bad, those weddings are going to be happening and florists are going to need flowers and we can provide that. 
And being in a strategic region with destination weddings and wineries and resorts, it's like uh, that benefits your business as well because you have a market to sell to. 100%. And sometimes I kind of think that's luck because I grew up in this area <laughs> and I stayed in this area. But I mean, I think maybe it just it just worked out. I don't know. And even if I wasn't here, I think I still would have found flowers because uh, it's really my happiest, happiest being is with the flowers. So I agree. So did you build the building? Is, I mean, this, this big building is, yes. is done, right? The building is built. We are, we are near the end. I can see the light. My drywall guy is working on finishing that up. And then we're doing like, you know, some smaller things like we need to get cabinetry in there. I'm trying to just finish the whole thing and be done with it and say like, we don't need anything else. Um, and that kind of means going over the budget quite a bit, mm. but it, you know, it's just to be like, it's done. It's a space that's efficient. It flows well. It has everything we need. We don't need to build more and we don't need to look back. At mm -hmm. least that's what my fingers are crossed for. Wow. So you're hoping to get this all, everything dialed in before the busy season yes. starts. Wow. Yep. yep. Everybody's deadline is <laughs> early April. So. <laughs> what, how big is the cooler then that you're going to end up with? It is, I think, about 19 by 16. Oh, my so gosh. That's the size of a living room. <laughs> you could have your own wholesale, uh, you know, walk-in yeah. wholesale business going if you want. I'm kind of, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that florists will maybe come out and shop the cooler a little bit. That's one of my, just so that they can see the flowers. We don't really have, I mean, the closest thing we've got is New York City for a flower market and mm -hmm. nobody up here is going down there. It's a six hour hike. So for them to just, again, be able to see the flowers, see the quality, see the colors, um, and maybe see the different varieties up close. It would just be a service that's never been provided in this wow. area wow. that I think we can fill. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're going to have a great season. I'm so happy for you that, that <sighs> first of all, congratulations on the grant. And I know it like you described before we started recording that it took three months just to write the thing. So I, I'm really, <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> Ah, uh, thank you. No, we. I feel really lucky, and I feel really grateful that New York um, wants to support the slow flowers. I mean, that's pretty amazing in and of itself, and that we even had this grant. Like a lot of states don't have something like that. So just the fact that New York is trying to keep keep farmers, despite the fact it's so expensive to live here, <laughs> um, it's it's every little bit helps, and this this little bit helped a lot. Yeah, it demonstrates that that uh, agricultural uh, economy is still valued in the state, and yeah. I'm sure, especially in regions outside of the city, uh, like where you are, and also Tiny Hearts is kind of up, upper Hudson. So I mean, it is more it is more rural, and makes a lot of sense that they would you know support farms. Right. Very cool. Well, what what, uh, what else? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm just thinking about my building. I'm just rather, oh. I'm, you know, I'm just so excited about it. No, I think, I think we're like heading in a great, a great projection. Um, I feel really lucky as well that I've been to able to network with so many different farmers and designers around the country. I mean, Rose Story Farm, 
them in and of themselves. They also took me on for like a week long apprenticeship. Oh, right. Tell me about that. Yeah. And that was so, that was so great. Um, just, you know, it feels like it's such a community and I feel really lucky to be a part of it. And I'm excited for that community to keep growing. Yeah. It's wonderful. I cut you off. So you went back to Rose Story Farm in September for a, or in the fall for a, like a one week uh, apprenticeship, you said? Yep. Yep. It was just kind of the down and dirty. So me just helping um, with whatever they needed and essentially trying to give back. But it was just, it's a good experience, I think, to always like expand our horizons, be learning in whatever way, shape or form. But for me, I really need that hands-on experience to be at another farm, to see how they're operating and to take back with me you know, what I would do differently, what I would love to adopt from what they're doing. So just always trying to keep growing and keep your mind open, I think is really important. That's interesting. It makes me think of uh, kind of of several flower friends of mine who have instead of waiting for someone to offer a workshop, if there's a florist that they really admire, that they sometimes just would will go direct to that florist and, and say, hey, can I hire you for a one-on-one, um, you know, session? Oh, it seems yes. like that's happening more and more where you have to kind of build your own education, but you have to reach out and, you know, approach those people you want to learn yeah. from. Yep. The first couple of years of, um, of farming and designing, I was a little bit more timid and the past, you know, recently I've just become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I, <laughs> I think that's a great, a great thing to be and to fake it till you make it. So, you know, if you, you know, you don't maybe necessarily feel like you deserve it or you're ready or you're at that level, listen, just pretend you are and go for it. And I have really had some of the most amazing experiences doing that and kind of just putting my head down and walking forward, you know, because we're, are we ever really fully ready to tackle the next big project? Probably not, but let's just pretend and do it anyways. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Be brave. Yes, be brave. (laughs) That's what they call being a lifelong learner. So um, that gives me comfort. Hey, Jen. Jenny Ray, this has been so much fun. I just, I can picture you just being in that beautiful new space. I want to see photos. It sounds like it's not quite finished yet, but will you share photos of what you, what you are growing and what your, what your farm looks like and maybe some of your designs so we can put them in the show notes today? Most definitely. And that's kind of exciting. I haven't really launched, um, I haven't really told anybody yet in the Instagram world about the studio. So we'll do, we'll do an official launch and I'll show it off. (laughs) We'll do a big reveal. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Thanks so much. And if I can, if I can get to Rochester, I'm, I, my, my husband has lots of relatives there because he grew up in Spencerport. So oh I, I know, broke. I know it's your backyard. I got to get myself out there. Oh, yes. And thanks so much for having me. This is a real pleasure. And thanks so much for always advocating for silk flowers and us farmers out there. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Thanks so much, Jenny Ray. Yeah. Bye-bye. so much for joining me today. In late 2018, Jenny Ray asked me to help her with some of the research and background she needed to apply for the New York State New Farmers Grant, and I'm so glad it paid off. 
She's shared the state of New York's announcement about the farm grant with me, so look for that link in today's show notes too. As she mentioned, Flowerwell was one of only two flower farms to receive a New York New Farmers Grant in 2019. Since its launch in 2014, this statewide program has awarded 4.2 million to 114 farms across the state. Well, it took five years for flower farming to gain support through this program. In addition to Flowerwell, our friends at Tiny Hearts Farm in Copake, New York, received a grant to purchase field equipment and supplies. Congratulations to Jenny Elliott and Luke Franco of Tiny Hearts Farm for receiving this important support as they increase flower production acreage. Of course, they are Slow Flowers members and past guests of this podcast. What great news for Slow Flowers in New York. We wish both of these farms a great 2020 season. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. Jumping ahead to future events, if you've been sitting on the fence trying to decide if you can make the trip to SFO to join the fourth annual Slow Flowers Summit, now is the time. Time to grab your reservation. The summit takes place June 26th through 28th at Filoli, an amazing historic home and garden where we will gather to tour, learn, design, create, and collaborate. We only have 50 seats left, so I urge you to follow the links in today's show notes and reserve your space with the Slow Flowers Tribe. Your ticket includes all day Sunday, June 28th, and all day Monday, June 29th, with five presentations, seven fabulous speakers, all meals, refreshments, and of course, those evening cocktail receptions. Floral design demonstrations are included, an interactive floral installation, author book signings, cool take-home gifts, and more. And then on the last day, Tuesday morning, June 30th, we're gonna take a behind-the-scenes tour at Farm Girl Flowers headquarters in San Francisco where you'll meet our good friend, Christina Stemble of Farm Girl Flowers. I can't wait to see you there. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 581,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thank you goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.